0: Wow. So um, if you want to know what that last little thing is all about, we, um, we just really want to support families who are trying to train their little ones to stand up for the Word of God. And um, to stand up in front of the public and just to sh- even share Jesus loves me is a big deal for a little child to do. And if they can do that at that age, and we just want to keep that going in them their whole life, right? Yeah. Because we're going to find out when we get into today's message that Eve did not do that. And so I'm so proud of these little ones. Um, um, good morning to all of you. Um, you know, I like to start in Proverbs. So here's a quick proverb before we dive in too far. Uh, today being the 10th, I've, I chose the, verse 23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Love the book of Proverbs. So we're starting a new series, and, um, and uh, I've been um, been planning this actually since last March. Um, And we're going to be wading into the topic of families. What's a healthy family and what's the word of God say about that? And I've been praying for you and um, we're going to start, you're going to find out in just a minute that we're going to start right at the very beginning. The first book of the Bible, if you have a hard time finding uh, books in your Bible, this will be the easy one for you because it's right at the very beginning. And um, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve. And in fact, um, I was talking to the staff. We had a staff meeting Thursday night and um, we were talking about Adam and Eve and and, uh, I was in trouble because you know me, I like rabbit trails. Right? Right? And without rabbit trails, my notes on Friday afternoon were nine or so, 12 pages long. Now that's like a double sermon. That's like, you wouldn't get home until halftime. And I, I, I do understand where the butter gets on the bread here, that I'm not going to interrupt the Seahawks, but, um, but I thought that through, and it was nothing that I felt like I could cut out. So we're going to end up actually spending two weeks talking about Adam and Eve, and so today you're going to get half of Adam and Eve, and that's still going to be plenty, I think, for today. But I encourage you, don't miss next week. In fact, don't miss any of these weeks, because the Lord, I really believe the Lord is up to something strategic. The family unit is so important for God's plan, not just to care for you, but to make a difference in your neighborhood and where you work. When you have a healthy family life, you're able to make a difference for the people around you. And that's, I think, what's in the Lord's heart here. So, so here we go. I, you know, I, I don't mean to offend any of you if you're a doctor or in the medical profession, but I just be honest, you know, I don't really know very many people who really look forward to going to the doctor. Do you look forward to you know, going to the doctor? I mean, I, you no, know, maybe maybe you do. But, I mean, it can be kind of upsetting. It can kind of be difficult, you know. You know, hey, I don't think you're allowed to do that. And they go, yeah, yeah, I'm a doctor. I can do that. They, okay, you know, they, <laughs> am I the only one that has that happen at the doctor's office? I mean, they, they do these things. But, but when it gets all done, you know, when you're all done with it and you get this, Something that's not to be taken for granted. When you get this clean bill of health, you know, we thank the Lord for, for something good happening in our lives. And, and, and I think intuitively, we all know that um, it's, it's, it's hard to go to the doctor, but it's something we need to do. You know, any person who um, is involved in the health profession at all will tell you, you know, if you've got a serious problem, take care of it. And early detection is a big deal, Right. Taking, finding out things when they're small to fix them. It's no fun to go to the doctor. I don't like doing, doing it, but I do it because it needs to be done, right? Although I'm a little late. I haven't had my exam this year. I'm, probably I better get it on the calendar. But usually once a year I go and I let them poke me and prod me and bleed me and all that stuff they do, you know, like, okay, whatever. Um, and we understand that physically it's good for us. We get that physically, do we always make the connection that that's also healthy for us to do at a spiritual level, or even a relational level? I mean, I mean, uh, I'm just hoping that that you don't come to church hoping for some you know shallow presentation that's somehow going to give you a pep talk that'll last until Tuesday. I hope that when you come here, you come hoping, not that uh, something I say, but something's going to happen in this time that you've just cited. I'm going to allow my heart to be available to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will do something to build you and to shape you. Because God loves you, and he thinks about your future, and he has a hope for you. And these things about your tomorrows that are so important to God. And uh, it's really good and healthy that you make yourself available. Thanks for doing this, by the way. I don't take for granted that you come and spend an hour and a half on a Sunday hanging out with the body of Christ. It's, it's healthy, it's righteous, it's, it's scriptural, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you do it. Look at each other and go, he's grateful. You can, yeah, it's, nice to be, it's nice to be appreciated, isn't it? Anyway, okay, so, I mean, um, and after all, we have this problem. I don't mean to include you in the group, but I'm going to include you in the club. We have this problem. It's called sin. We have a problem, and this sin is a problem for us. And um, I mean, I-, I desperately need God's forgiveness. I do, and Jesus pri- Christ provides that forgiveness. So, so in this series, what we're going to do? I'm calling this family checkup, and you get the concept. You know, because I think that every family can benefit from a few tests, maybe if being poked in a couple places, maybe um, some self examination and take a look at the patterns. And our goal, the goal that we're going for here, we're not going after happiness, we're going after healthy. Okay, so um, we're going after healthy here. And uh, we're going to take a look at the way our families work and um, the way we handle some things in our marriage and maybe some of our parenting strategies and how we handle with our extended family and, you know, whoever that might be. And we're going to lay a foundation for all of that right at the very beginning of the Word of God in the very first book, Genesis 1. And um, although I'm Going to try not to go on rabbit trails. I'm going to start with a rabbit trail. Okay. This has nothing to do with the message, but I can't help myself. I don't come to Genesis 1 1 very often, but here it is Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God, and I love this. There's this is just there are no proof texts here. There's no here's five reasons why you should believe this. The Bible just assumes that any objective person who seeing the universe, 't going have they 're not going to have a problem with the concept that somebody made this all they're not going to have a struggle with that I mean Lisa and I just came back from vacation we were in the middle of Wyoming we found ourselves we planned to find ourselves in the very center of the path of totality of the uh, of the eclipse and we were at about seven thousand feet in clear air there was no smoke and um, we got up at o oh dark thirty to get a spot by ourselves, which we did and uh, I just tell you that it I've seen an eclipse before. I haven't seen a total eclipse before. I didn't look up. I looked around the last time I was around one. It was more than a scientific, nerdy moment for me. It was spiritual. I just wanted to worship God. It was it was emotional. And... Um, um, but anyway, so, so here he goes. In the beginning, God, there's no defense, no argumentation, just a statement, a clear fact, because only a fool would believe in his heart that there is no God. We find that several places in Scripture, Psalm 14 and Psalm 15. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I love that passage, um, but that's a total rabbit trail. So let me get back to where we're headed, okay? I couldn't just go by that and not, not acknowledge that. Thank you for going with me on the trail. Um, okay, so today our title is the first healthy family, question mark? Okay, first family, question mark. For the, and I want to start this out by saying the first family was, keyword was healthy. They were healthy. We're going to notice several things. Four things I'm going to point out in the text about this family. They had a really, really sweet deal. This, this fam- they had a wonderful, great setup going for them perfect going on genesis we're going to start in verse 26 then god said let us make man in our image after our likeness have you ever taken a selfie that's a copy that's an image of you it's not you your photograph of you does not have the capabilities and the powers and the all of the characteristics of you but it sure looks like you it's a representation of you right okay let us make a man in our image after our likeness But that was something that, um, you know, later on in human history, a lot of medieval leaders and rulers and kings, they would have statues of themselves built and scattered around their kingdoms just to remind people of who's who in the zoo, all right? It's kind of like God says, okay, I'm going to remind creation who I am, and he made these images. That's part of the deal. Why else would God make you in his image and make a point of telling you that in his word? You're a copy of, of God. It's pretty cool. Anyway, okay, and let these, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know that creep you knew in high school? Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so God, verse 27, okay. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Notice very, very clearly here, God says, male and female, Everyone say equal. 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 Men and women are equal representations of the image of God, flag bearers of the image of God in every way, in completely equal in every way. You get that? I get that. Okay. So and, and verse 20, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay. Everyone say not equal, not equal. Okay, the fish, the birds, everything that moves—they are not our equals. It's important for us to remember because our culture says differently about that. They're not made in the image of God, and God has assigned us to subdue them, to have dominion over them, not equality with them. Now, to elevate. The animals and the plant kingdom to to equality with man is not God's design. You see it right there in his word. And I'm not suggesting here poor stewardship. I'm not suggesting hateful treatment of animals. I'm not suggesting that. But we're not to worship the creation. The animals, the earth, we are not to worship. And we are not to elevate them to equal or higher importance than human beings. That's not what scripture teaches here. Men and women are equally bearers of the image of God. And, and we're not just merely the top rung on the animal chain. Okay? Um, I did not come from apes. Neither did you. <laughs> okay. I mean, I know some people that maybe they did. I don't know. but <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know anybody like that. Um, I have no, no, no knowledge of anything like that. Okay, so, um, but we're different. We're different than them. we have. We have the ability to reason. We have the ability to choose right and wrong. We have, we have the ability to worship God. We're different than the animals. There's an eternal difference between us and the animals. And so God gave this first family this, this wonderful, amazing setup, this wonderful job to do. They, you know, be fruitful and multiply and subdue and have dominion. They basically, you know, they were to rule over the earth. They were to fill the earth, be fruitful. What a sweet job. Going to work today, what are you going to do? I don't know. Let's go name some animals and pick some flowers. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, right? No sales reports, right? No, no, no quotas, no speeding tickets, <laughs> none of that stuff. Okay, so they, they, you know, every, nothing really, really difficult that they had to do in their lives. Every day was really a nice day. It's like every day was 5.01 on Friday. All day long. That sound good, right? Like, that's, that's a great deal. So, okay, so um, they, had, they, they, had, they had a really great setup. Then number two, notice also that they had some great perks, some wonderful benefits. Catch how healthy and perfect this was. Genesis 1, starting in verse 29. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Man, everything was good. Working perfectly. It could not have been better. Things were whistling along. I mean, and if you were someone who likes to count, you start looking through, you see the word every at least seven times, and then some every things. I this is... That's every, you know, every creeping thing, every, it, it goes every, 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 and, and God gave them everything they could need or want. Eden was an absolute five-star free resort. They had absolutely, absolutely everything. Now, why am I pointing out how sweet this was? I, I, I'm pointing it out because this couple very soon is going to have a really, really serious setback. Okay, you know what's coming, right? And one of the mistakes that people make, and we still want to do this today, is that when something goes south, we want to blame it on the environment. (laughs) We do. Well, you know, if you if you could just understand where I'm coming from, or if you just you just if you just if you understood my wife's background and what happened to her, or you know the things that we've been through, or. You know, it really wasn't the easy. the circumstances. circumstance. We've got all of these reasons why we want to blame the environment, what's going on around us. And instead of that, many times, what we, you know, point to where the real problem is right there. Thanks for not pointing at my heart, right? But, but isn't that really where many times the real problem is? Much more often um, it's there. And... Um, you know, that's, that's, by the way, that's one of the really good reasons why we come to church is because someone there will tell us something different than the stuff we tell ourselves all the time, right? <laughs> oh, you think that's cute, Terry, don't you? I can tell right now. Okay, that's not going anywhere. So Adam and Eve, you know, they, 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 this is more about for them what's in the mirror than what's in the environment because they've got it perfect around them. Um, they can't blame their situation. They just can't do that. So they have this great job. And they've got these great perks, and I'm going to skip ahead here. You can read the intervening part on your own time. There's lots to read there. To chapter 2, verse 15. So we'll keep going, because our context here is we're trying to look at this from the angle of a family. The Lord Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Kind of like, you know, take care of things, Adam. You pick the flowers, keep the trees trimmed, whatever it is you've got to do. And the Lord commanded the man, saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What does that mean, you're going to die? The phrase literally means, literally says, dying, you shall die. That's what's in that phrase. And God is not just talking here about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death, eternal death. And now, now now look up at me. Make sure you catch this. There is a part of you that is not physical. And that part of you will live forever. And that is the part of you that will one day account to God. And that is the part of you that, that, that God... That's why God made you with the ability to make a choice. You know... I, I've, had, I've gone through this with people before we're talking about this whole thing in the Garden of Eden, and people say, well, why did God have to stick that tree right in the middle of the garden? Why did he, if, if it's off limits, why put it right in the middle of the playpen? You know, you don't leave a lighter in the playpen, right? I hope you don't, right? But why did because if he would have just stuck it somewhere over the curve of the earth where they could never find it, things would have been, no, 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 no. no. God never had the intention to create a bunch of robotic worshipers. God wanted relationship with people who would actually choose to worship him, make the choice. And if there's no opportunity to sin, then the choice to not sin is meaningless, right? You you following tracking with me on that? So God's not interested in this robotic thing, you know. So people get the opportunity to choose no, to relationship with Him, they, they 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 get they get that, and every person makes that choice while they live on the earth. They have that opportunity to choose relationship with God or not relationship with God. That's in part, I believe, why God made it impossible, not hard, impossible to get to heaven based on good works. He doesn't want you to get to heaven based on being perfect. He wants you to get get to heaven based on your relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to choose to worship the creator. He wants to be wanted, right? And by the way, um, you only get there if you choose relationship with God. That is the only way. Jesus said, there is no other way to the Father but through me. And I don't know... um, where you've been to church or what you may have been told, but there is no ceremony required for this, right? You don't have to go through some sort of motions, do some sort of dance, say some sort of incantation. You have to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that he is risen from the dead. Believe that and you should confess, you tell someone, hey, you know what, I, I, I just realize how true this is. I'm a sinner, I can't, I can't, and and Jesus did this for me, and he rose, I I want him to be my king. That's confessing with your mouth. That's, there is no incantation. There's no, you have to go to front of a church and kneel at it, that is, that's great to do it. That's what I did. I did that on Easter in a great big huge church, and it was good for me to do that because I needed to look back and go, yeah, there was a day there that I just had to kind of say, that was my day. And I'm different from that day forward, and I made a decision, and I'm sticking with it and but the tradition the the requirement anyway, so back to the tree well, okay, so he sticks to the tree there did do you Do you think God didn't know that they were going to choose to eat the tree even though they weren't supposed to? Well, yeah, God knew. In fact, God knew, and, and in later parts of the scripture, I think Revelation, we'll see Jesus described as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, was, 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 he was the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world. Before creation, God knew they were going to go to that tree and eat it. And God said, I, I want them to choose me. They're going to fail I got to provide a plan. And Jesus became the lamb, our sacrifice, before the earth was created, before, before creation was created. God knew, yeah, God knew. And his love was to place a pathway there in spite of the fact that they were going to go right to that tree. <laughs> and notice how, um, so he had this planned gift of salvation. So then ne- the next thing we'll see about them and their wonderful situation was that God set boundaries. You know the boundaries are a good thing? <laughs> Boundaries are a good thing. I mean, um, he says to them, you know, but he's basically said to them, you can basically do anything you want to do. This whole place is yours. Have, at it, have fun. Imagine, just imagine, imagine the freedom that they had. He says, but just this one tree, just this one, this one tree, everything else go for it. How hard was that? How, how hard was it t- to cooperate with that? It must have been impossible. Because of a sin nature that's present, and I, I just want to—I'm just pointing out to you that he made very clear boundaries. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, so they had some some really really clear boundaries, and um, and it wasn't just the human beings that had boundaries. Um, I think there are some obvious boundaries if you take a look around. You know, birds birds fly in the air; they don't fly off into space. It would kill them. I don't think they have enough lift. That's a nerdy thing to say. They, they don't fly into rocks because it stops them and it hurts them. Fish, they stay in the water. I mean, it's, it's typical for God's creation, for all of creation to have boundaries. And you and I have boundaries. And, um, you know, listen, life works great. Family works great. Marriage works great. Parenting works great when we stay within the boundaries that God prescribes. But... When you start coloring outside the boundaries, things can start to go sideways in a hurry. And okay, so this family, they were a healthy family. They had a great job. They had great perks. They had boundaries. And catch with this, what I'll say. They had each other. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. That word fit. Um, Other translations say comparable, suitable. Um, And I think we need to, and I think our culture needs to get back to this that men and women complete each other. We complete each other. I mean, that's God's design. Right there, you see right there God's design one man with one woman for a lifetime. That's the design. I think you, you probably know where I'm going with this. Two men, that's not, God's, that's, that's not his design. It's not right. Two women, that's not right. One man with one woman for a lifetime, that's his design, and that's the way God, God wants it. And by the way, I, I need you to understand, if, if you detect from me any arrogance, forgive me for that, that is not my heart here, but we never need to apologize for the truth of God's word especially to a culture that is so against this. Somehow the truth of God's word needs to be shared in love and humility without apology. And this is God's design. You know, maybe, maybe I'm sure people in this room right now are thinking, well, you know, Terry, I kind of got that wrong and my marriage failed. And I'm saying, okay, you know, fine. Okay, but get with God's program today. You know, one man with one woman for a lifetime. That's the design. I, I believe the scripture demonstrates that um, a man is more with a godly woman than he would ever be by himself. And a woman is more with a godly man than she would ever be by herself. Well, Terry, what about, you know, the single... What about single people? We got plenty of single adults in the church. Yeah, of course. You know, and there are. And there are... Uh, there, okay, let me talk about that for a minute. There are some, I think it's a few... Who Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes as having uh, the call to or the gift of singleness, and there are some, and and uh, he described that as people who God calls and gives the ability and the gifts to somehow concentrate and focus their, their lives and those gifts towards ministry and, and 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 to advancing the kingdom. Jesus Himself was a single person, right? Okay, so I mean, and I really believe Scripture also teaches that Jesus Himself fills what is lacking. He fills what's lacking, what a a spouse would or wouldn't do. So there are some that the Lord calls to single, and and there are others of us that are just waiting. You know, we're waiting for who the Lord would bring to us, or we're we're at a place in life where um, where that may be more in our rear view than it is in our head in our in our windscreen, and and. um I think the Lord will complete, the Lord is complete. And and for their completeness, people that are single need to look to the Lord. And to a degree, the church and their extended family. This needs to be a place that absolutely cares for and nourishes and cares about people who are single and what they need in terms of what, what the body of Christ should be to them. And especially widows. Church, I think you do a pretty good job of that, but I want you to know that's my heart. Our church needs to be that. Um, and, um, you know, and, and then occasionally I'll run into someone who won't say it like this, but this is what they're saying. Well, you know, okay, well, I've been with her for quite a while now, and I think I'm ready for something new. <laughs> if you think that, you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt. You will never recover from that decision. Never. You, you will get there, and you will find yourself facing a whole new set of strengths and weaknesses. And listen, I'm going to put this in the context of talking to a man, but this is easily applied to a woman. I want to tell you about the person you fell in love with. That person still has the qualities and the characteristics that you fell in love with originally. They're still there. They're still there. There's kind of a, Maybe even a a twistedness in human nature that would want sometimes to focus upon what's missing or what's broken rather than the positive, what drew you to that person in the first place. I want to say those things are still there with that person. There's a proverb that speaks to this Proverbs 5 um, Let your fountains be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely dear, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Very graphic picture. I love this. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embraced in the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and God ponders all of the guy's paths. Man, woman, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Focus on the wife of your youth. You be the person that God has called you to be and as you are the person that God has called you to be, it will cause your spouse to flourish. Men and women, it will cause your spouse to flourish. They were a healthy family. They had a lot going for them. They had a perfect setup, great job, great perks, safe boundaries. They had each other. <laughs> but the first family chose to be unhealthy. <laughs> they did. Adam and Eve, you know, they cannot blame anybody else for what's about to happen. Chapter 3, we're going to see that. And notice the first thing that they, that they mistake, they made, is they chose not to flee Temptation. Chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, by the way, make no mistake here, this is Satan, okay? Um, you'll see this in Revelation 12 and Revelation 22, but I'm not gonna go there for now. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did, did God actually say that? Did, is, 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 is that really what he said? Did you, are you sure you heard him right are you sure about that? He starts to get up in her face. He's, he's really kind of starting to kind of approach and dig in around the, he's, 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 this is an attack. See that for what this is. And, and when Satan gets up in your face, it's really a good thing to say, hey, hey, step back. You know, get out of my space. You need to run. You need to flee. You need to head for the hills. When this come, and, and, and even worse than when Satan kind of gets up in your grill is when someone else you know whom, whom the enemy would speak through. Maybe sometimes it can be a, 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 a carnal carnally led Christian, or maybe someone who doesn't know God at all. And they get up in your face and they start saying this kind of stuff to you, and you need to be like, oh, step back, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I don't want that up on my face. There, there's a place where you just say, you know, but Eve didn't do that. She just stayed right in there. She should have run for the hills. He's saying to her, "Did God?" You know, did God really? You know, I, I don't know what he's saying, but did God really say that? And are you sure? What do you do when somebody starts to question the family? When, when, when some outside voice starts to question your family, what do you do? We love little squeaky ones. Bring that baby back here. I want that baby. I'm only half kidding. Lisa's saying, Get a dog, Terry. <laughs> Smile. Would you like a dog, honey? <laughs> no, do not give her a dog. I'm serious. Um, but you're not getting a baby either. <laughs> That's your job. Way to go. Keep going. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply, <laughs> I say to my daughter. Um, okay. What do you what do you do when somebody starts to to do this to you in your heart about the family? You know. I mean, what do you do when some someone some nonsensical movie starts to parade these concepts into your view of running off and cheating on your spouse how that's a good idea and how fun this will be and how beautiful we'll make it, or or somehow it's breaking down the family, or or it's assaulting the value and the worth of children. I mean, I think of how much TV makes parents look like idiots and like children that they know more. I mean, I think today's whole economy of entertainment is wrapped around getting up in your face and undermining God's values of the family. I think there's an awful lot of that is 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 in culture today. And it influences our thinking. And we start looking over the fence for greener grass and you know, I'll oh, be happy over there and you know the grass is greener and you and you just couldn't be more wrong. We need to learn to run from that. I mean, if you sat down in a restaurant and placed your order and they brought you a plate, and on that plate was, you know, like last month's rotten eggs or something, and there's these four flies doing orbits around the plate. What do you do? Do you say, hmm, hmm, I'll have some more of that? Or do you send it back and say, bring me a different plate? Or do you look at that and go, how can this happen? I don't want anything to do with this. And you get up and leave that restaurant and find a clean place. When was the last time that you got up and left a theater? because the content was, you know, rotting. And I think, it's, I think it's real easy for us to start believing that we have the ability, a, 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 a trustable filter, that we're smart enough and wise enough to filter some of those things. I mean, I think I've been there before. Yeah, I'm fine, I can watch this, it'll be just fine. It's just, you know, science fiction or whatever. And, and um, you know, but there are things that I can't afford to be thinking about if I want to stay healthy. It's true. Some things, you know, I I want to be happy, but I'm not even going for happy here. I'm just talking about healthy. Actually, I am very happy, but I believe that when you're healthy, happiness takes care of itself, okay? So, um, So that was Eve's mistake. She didn't flee. And sometimes... You can't run away from the situation, right? Sometimes you can't flee. And, and when you can't flee, then that's the time when you've got to fight for the truth. And that's the second thing here for them. They chose not to fight for the truth. She didn't stick up for it. She didn't refute the lies. Okay, verses um, two and three. And, when the woman, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. First of all, God never even said that. He didn't say that. He never said you couldn't touch it. They were allowed to touch it. They were. There's nothing in scripture that says they could not touch it. They could pick it if they want. They could turn it into a Mr. Potato Head game if they want. Okay? They, there was one thing God said in his word. Don't, don't eat it. That's it. The problem isn't just when people deny God's word. Sometimes the problem is when people add to God's word, they add to it, and then they make God's word some sort of a burden. They make you know, it's they they say you know God said a bunch of things He never said, and it and it's just this heavy burden. That's religion. That's religion. A bunch of stuff you're supposed to do that God never said. I don't want to go off on this as a rabbit trail, but there are only a small number of ordinances, religious things you're supposed to do. Baptism, communion. Okay, it's a very short list. Anyway, Mr. Potato Head would have been fine, but she didn't even fight for the truth. She didn't. I don't think she really even fully understood God's word, and that's a problem. I mean, that should tell us something. She didn't understand what was going on there. And when the serpent said, "You're not going to die," he said, "You're not going to die." Now God has been completely contradicted. It isn't just a adding to it. It's completely. Contradicted, And when somebody says, you know, when, when you know that God's word says X and somebody comes up to you and says, N- not X, that's when you got to say, you know, hold it. Stop right there. Hold on a minute. I, 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 so I don't let people contradict God. You can, I don't know how you do it. You got to figure out your temperament, and, right? But there's a place where you say, hold on. I love you, but no, 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 no. I don't accede to this concept. That is not what God's word says. I, don't, I know what God's word says the same conversation Jesus had with, well, he had it with Satan in Matthew chapter 4. And Satan was saying all these things to him. And, and Jesus was saying, you know, no, 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 no. It is written. No, 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 It is written. And I don't think that Jesus's tone was conciliatory. Oh, hey, I, I, I know you'll offer me all of the kingdoms if I just bow down to you. But you know, maybe you don't understand. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it was like that at all. I think it was like when he talked to Peter. You know, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's saying, "Hey, here's what's coming. I'm leaving. It's going to be. Uh, I, I got to go die and do." This. And Jesus says, "No, no, no, no! Don't go! Don't go!" That's I'm paraphrasing now. And Jesus, Peter's saying this. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus doesn't say to, "Hey, Pete, 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 I know you don't understand. Settle down now. It'll be." He doesn't say that. He says, "Get behind me, Satan!" <laughs> to Peter. Wow. It's okay to be direct if you're Jesus, I guess. And it's okay for us to be direct too. It doesn't have to always be this this conciliatory tone. Jesus set the examples. And of course, his tone was love. And Peter had no question that Jesus loved him. You got to be able to pull the love off equally with the tone. If you can't pull the love off with the tone, here's what scripture says you are. You are a banging gong, a clanging cymbal. Nothing against our, I love our Percussion stuff. But you know when if, you, if, 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 if during worship you could stick your head in here like right next to this thing when he was going wang, you would not appreciate that symbol. <laughs> you wouldn't. And that's what it is if you try to use the tone without the love. You know, we're called to be salt and light. That's this tiny amount of, of salt and this much light. We get the recipe wrong. We want to be this much salt in this much light. Anyway, so get the proportions correctly and it'll be great. But it wasn't some nice, sweet tone. And, um, you know, I think, I think it took, humanly speaking here, I think it took everything Jesus had in him to keep his eyes fixed on that cross. He was facing something that was not easy. And he could not afford to have the people around him who were supposed to be supporting him putting doubt into his mind. And he just says, hold on, hold on, Peter. No way. No way. And, and guys, hear this. It takes everything in you to be the man of God that God has called you to be. Everything. Ladies, it takes everything you have to be the woman of God that God has called you to be. Can't afford to have this stuff. If you, if It, it, it takes to be the son of God that God has called me to be the to be to be the husband it takes everything in me can't afford to have a bunch of people in my face telling me stuff that just isn't true and when when you can't run from the temptation you got to stand for the truth you got to fight for the truth sometimes sometimes you got to get out of your chair <laughs> and you got to get a little bit sideways sometimes sometimes you got to do that you know people putting nonsense in your head hold on a minute hold on a minute that is nonsense Love you, but that's nonsense. And we can't always just be casual about it. I mean, sometimes you just got to tell your sister on the phone, hey, hold on a minute. I, I, I don't want any more of that to go into my ears. I love you, but this conversation is over. We'll talk again. Goodbye. You don't wait for the pause. You don't wait for an agreement. There's a time where you just say, done, stop, wrong side of the line, fixing this. Love you. We'll talk later. <laughs> You know, Maybe it's the best thing for her, too, to have someone draw a clear line, maybe. You don't know when the Holy Spirit might be using something in your heart that you've done to protect yourself to actually protect the people around you. It's got to be with love, right? Or you turn into that symbol thing, right? And that's a healthy pattern. I love you, but I'm just not going to let people put nonsense in my head. So they chose not to flee the temptation. They, they, they chose not to fight for the truth, and here's the the, the last point um, before we're going to wrap up for the day. They chose not to focus on the best. Verse four. But the serpent said to the woman, "You will you will not surely die. For God knows that when you when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." What's he? He's he's questioning the character of God. He's saying, God doesn't. He doesn't even care about you. It's a trick. He's, he's actually afraid, God is afraid, that you're going to be just like him. As if, you know, you, you eat this fruit, some sort of special magical chemical is going to get into you and change you. You know, he's suggesting, you gotta, first off, it, it's helpful to remember, first off, who's talking here, okay? You got to remember who is talking here. We read the scripture and we think, oh, he's stating facts, Who is talking here? This is just a recounting of the words he says. It's not necessarily the truth. In fact, it's the liar. He's the father of lies. Scripture calls him the father of lies, John 8. And so, you know, how do you know if he's lying? His lips are moving. Okay, right? Okay, so it's always a lie. He constantly lies. He constantly lies. And everything he says here is a lie. And, 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 And usually, usually there's a little bit of truth in something like this, just enough to provide a hook. That's a whole different sermon. I'm not going down that rabbit trail. But he's lying, he's twisting, he's distorting the truth. And, and she could have, you know, done so much better than she did. Um, but notice that they, husband and wife, are, are choosing not to focus on the best, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, first off, remember again, where is she standing? She's in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And it doesn't matter which way she points herself on the compass, it's the best salad bar on earth for a million miles and every, whatever. I mean, there is no reason that she's got to be fixed on this one tree. <laughs> and, and, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So there it is. In the middle of everything God gave them, in the middle of everything. this beautiful place. And she saw that the tree was good for food. What does that tell you? <laughs> God, forgive us for our tendency to be dissatisfied with what we have, with, with the good things around us. Forgive us for, for failing to believe that the good things that you've put into our life are already right here. right in front of us. It's, it lives at your house. You know? Give yourself to what you have and be content with it and, 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 and believe that happiness is not somehow out there. So she chose not to focus on the best. She had, she had all of this wonder. She had God's best. It was right there for her. God's provision was all around this woman and this man and every single adult Hearing this has to capture this. She had already been given everything she needed. She should have rejoiced with that. Instead, she got sold on the idea of something more, something better, something different. And she chose not to focus on the best. How big a deal is that? Well, that's right where we'll pick this up next week. (laughs) I want to tell you that uh, next week... We're going to talk about what happened in their soul and in their family as a result of the choices that they made. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about why the curse was different for the man than it was for the woman. We're going to talk about the bent that a man has that's different than the bent that a woman has and how that impacts us, how that's a blessing and a risk to us. And uh, I'm going to share with you four very practical choices that, if you choose them, they will lead your family to happiness and blessing. And then we'll end next time with the one of the most amazing promises found in all of Scripture. So make sure you're back next week. Nod and say, okay. Okay. So um, I want to pray. But then I, I ask Pastor Eric to lead us in the song, God with Us, because. Um, When I was doing my study, it ministered to me and I want it to minister to you as well. So, Lord, um, thank you for the kind of love that we see when we find that it's impossible to work our way to heaven, but that before the foundation of the earth, you had a plan and that plan was Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to pray over marriages. I want to pray over families. I want to pray over single people. Every form of family. And I ask God for heaven's blessing to rest upon us. We know that you have things that you want to do in our families. We know the things you want to do in our hearts. So Lord, as you speak to us, Lord, let us hear them and walk in it. You, order, you, you, you promise to order the steps of the righteous. We're asking you to order our steps in this. So Lord, in the next days and weeks, as you speak to us about our families, Lord, we yield to you with trust and with faith in the name of Jesus
1: as we sing this next song, as we close in um, worship. You can stay seated. You can stand. But let's just respond with our hearts to what the Lord has said. And the broken, you are comfort for every heart and morn, our King, our Savior forever. Every day we will see you sing of all you've done we sing Son, the Holy Spirit. For eternity, we will sing of all You've done, and we sing. stand between us I love how Pastor Terry when he opened up the sermon in there I don't know if you caught it but he said before creation ever existed God made a way and you know my heart breaks for Adam and Eve because they had everything and it was perfect and they messed it up sent Jesus to die on a cross so that there is a way that once again man can walk with God and if you've been walking on the road alone you're not doing it because you have to you're doing it because you choose to I say that with all love because God made a way and his name is Jesus and he was pure and he was innocent, and he was hundred percent man and hundred percent God. And his blood was spilled out so that we could have relationship with God and walk with him now. Amen. And it's easy, just like Pastor Terry said. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe I need a savior. I believe Jesus is him that he died and he rose and he's gone before me to prepare a place for me and I choose relationship with God if that's you I'm not going to call you out here but I want to encourage you if you've never done that you don't have to walk alone just do that just do that and then when you sing God with us God for me who can be against me it becomes a personal thing, right? So, church, as you walk out these doors, may you walk knowing that God's with you. If you name Jesus as your king, he's with you, he's for you. Nothing can stand against you. Also, as you walk out these doors, I would encourage you to go hang out with each other. I hopefully have Seahawks on DVR. You know, I praise God for DVR. I don't have to watch the commercials. But you go out the door, go to the cookie coffee room, go visit somebody. You know, I met somebody here this morning, a couple I'd never met before. Their names are the same as my mom and dad. Isn't that cool? I'll never forget those names, right? But God might have somebody he wants to introduce you to out there today also. Also, if you need prayer, uh, I have the prayer team up here to my right, your left. Come on up. These guys are really good at it. They want to pray for you. They want to pray with you. They want to do battle with you. And just encourage you. And I'm telling you, you will be blessed to spend time with the Lord with them. Anyways, church, God bless you. Have a great week. We can turn on the lights and you guys can be on your way. And uh, go Hawks.